I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. My newest book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, is the antidote to confusing aromatherapy instructions and bad recipes. This is the book you need to undo everything you've learned on the internet. In this book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, I explore how to use essential oils safely. You can learn with me about essential oils and allergic reactions, irritations and sensitizations, phototoxicity, methods of application, types of carrier oils, how to dilute by age and health condition, the right way to ingest essential oils, contraindications for pregnancy, epilepsy, children, and more, and the aromatherapy secret everyone wants to know, the blending formula you need to finally properly calculate your own DIY recipe or blend. Essential Oil Dilution Guide is available now on Amazon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about rosemary essential oil. This is an herb that most people are familiar with, most people cook with, have in their gardens, but maybe less familiar with the essential oil. This is an essential oil that I use mostly in lung preparations and uh, muscle and joints and for pain. But there's many different chemotypes of rosemary and there are many, many different uses and it's just one of those great general oils to have in your collection. The species name of rosemary is Salvia rosmarinus or Rosmarinus officinalis. It belongs to the mint family and it is native to the Mediterranean, but it's now grown all over the world. So the plant is a dense evergreen bush with blue-white flowers. The essential oil is steam distilled from the leaves, which produces a yellowish colored essential oil. So rosemary has been used between at least the 10th century to the 15th century, mostly for devotion and really actually less for medicine. So it was seen as a love symbol used in wedding ceremonies and to worship the goddess Aphrodite or Venus. It was also associated with death and was used in funeral rites. Roman culture used rosemary in olive branches in cremation, and it was also used as incense. In some countries, rosemary is still planted on graves. Before that, it was also associated with the Virgin Mary, and in many different cultures, rosemary has been used over the years as medicine. It often was used for jaundice, coughs and colds, digestive problems, fevers, pain, many different things. Today, rosemary is mostly used in the general public as a seasoning. It has gross status, which means it's generally regarded as safe, and people have been and continue to cook with rosemary. Rosemary extract is considered an antioxidant, and it is approved as a preservative for food. So adding rosemary extract helps extend the shelf life of perishable food. It's used in Europe a lot for this reason, but I've seen it in Canada in food products. I've specifically seen it in meat products, which is interesting. So a lot of people use rosemary and thyme together. And these two herbs are often used simultaneously. So a lot of people assume that rosemary has an herbaceous smell. And sometimes they're actually kind of surprised that rosemary actually smells like eucalyptus or camphor. There's lots of different chemotypes of rosemary, but probably the most common is Salvia rosmarinus 1,8-sineal chemotype. This is the chemotype that is highest in 1,8-sineal, as the name suggests, or eucalyptol. Actually, most of the chemotypes have high amounts of 1,8-sineal, but it's the second constituent. The second highest constituent is what is different, but we'll get into that in a minute. Anyway, it's this eucalyptal content that makes it smell like eucalyptus. It also has camphor, which gives it that camphor smell as well. Unfortunately, because it is naturally high in eucalyptol and smells like eucalyptus, 
rosemary essential oil is commonly adulterated with eucalyptus oil. So we've gone over this before on the show. In order to increase your bottom dollar, you take your product, you add essential oil to it or constituents to it so that it goes farther. So you get more product to sell with less product that you used. So it makes you more money, right? This is a very common practice in aromatherapy production and why I rant so much about quality on this show, which you're all familiar with. But unfortunately, it does happen with rosemary. It's actually one of the most commonly adulterated up there with lavender. As I said, there are quite a few other chemotypes of rosemary. So why does this happen? Well, rosemary is grown all around the world. And when plants are grown in different places, they have different types of soil, different climates, different weather, different amounts of sunshine, different amounts of precipitation, different elevations. All of that affects the plant affects how it grows, and so then we naturally get the exact same plant, all rosemary, but with different chemical composition. And that just depends on where it's from, and it can be different from year to year. So if you grow rosemary in one place, you can have a chemotype the next year, just if the amount of precipitation, the amount of sunshine changes, your soil is different, that can give you a chemotype. There's a conversation out there that chemotypes are bad essential oils and that some brands have certain types which makes their oils better. This is false and this is misleading marketing. Chemotypes are not inferior products. They're not inferior oils. They're just different. They're naturally made. They're naturally produced by nature and they're just chemically different with higher levels of some different constituents. When things are grown around the world, that's bound to happen. It does change the chemistry of the oil, which means the safety guidelines might be a little bit different. There might be different uses for each different chemotype, but that doesn't make it a bad or horrible product. When it is naturally produced, when it comes that way out of the ground, that's just how nature works. So there's quite a few different rosemary chemotypes. These include borneal chemotype, borneal acetate chemotype, camphor chemotype, beta-mercine chemotype, alpha-pinene, verbenone. So how you understand chemotypes, the name of the chemotype tells you what the essential oil is most high in. So rosemary generally has all of these constituents. The chemotypes just have differing levels of all of these. Depending on their rates, they're more or less safe. They can be used for different things. So then how do we use rosemary? Well, like I said, I gravitate to rosemary mostly for the lungs. And I often carry and use the 1-8-cineal rosemary. That 1-8-cineal is an expectorant. So it can help you move mucus out of your lungs, which helps when you have a cough or a cold, right? Or you have other lung conditions where you have a lot of um, mucus. So when we get irritants in our lungs, when we inhale irritants or we have bacteria or viral components in our lungs, our lungs naturally secrete mucus to clean the lungs. So we want to help our lungs move out the debris by coughing, right? That's a natural reaction your lungs have. Secrete mucus, make you cough, clear your lungs. So the 1-8-cineal can help you do that. It's an expectorant that can help move, move that mucus out. The 1-8-cineal is also an antispasmodic, which means it helps relax smooth muscle spasms in your lungs. So if you're coughing a lot, that can help relieve the coughing by relaxing those muscles. Also what happens with people who have other lung conditions like asthma, for example, that happens a lot. It's an inflammatory process and we get wheezing, we get tightness in the chest, we get a lot of coughing. It can also help relieve some of those symptoms as well. 
The one in Cineal is also analgesic, so rosemary works great for headaches, joint and muscle pain, but it's also especially helpful for neuropathy or nerve pain. Studies show that aromatherapy massage in diabetes patients with neuropathy had a significant reduction in neuropathic pain and an increase in quality of life scores. Other studies show that using rosemary in conjunction with pain medications allows for better pain control than without rosemary. It's also anti-inflammatory. So when we can reduce inflammation in the body, things like prostaglandins, for example, and other inflammatory chemicals, these can lead to pain and lead to inflammation in the body. Rosemary can help reduce that. Rosemary tincture is helpful at lowering those those prostaglandins and some other chemicals that, that do lead to pain. So there's also some other classic uses you might have heard for rosemary, which is concentration, memory, brain health, and epilepsy. So I want to talk about epilepsy first. There are some studies that suggest rosemary is anticonvulsant. And when we look at some of its constituents, like borneol and alpha-pinene, these potentiate GABA receptor-mediating responses. So these responses cause sedative and anticonvulsant effects. 1-8-Cineal also is a sedative in that it can increase the length of sleep. But here's the problem with this suggested use. Rosemary contains camphor, and camphor can cause seizures. And actually, when we look at the data, camphor causes more seizures in humans than it actually does in animals. So we see in some of these reports, we see people who have had seizures after ingesting one teaspoon, two teaspoons, you know, in some cases, 90 milliliters and 150 milliliters of camphor, they've had seizures. But camphor just doesn't cause seizures by ingesting it. Sometimes we have these adverse events when we ingest large amounts of essential oil. That's usually a sign that the product is being used incorrectly in the wrong way. But camphor also has caused seizures from inhalation and from topical use. So we've, we've seen children who have had seizures from being around large amounts of camphor that was spilled. And another report of camphor being applied in a burn dressing to a child and they had a seizure. So again, those are really high doses, but a seizure can happen from camphor in different ways. So what happens with camphor, it seems that it overstimulates the central nervous system, which can cause seizures. And then it seems to flip to nervous system depression, which then causes like depression, lethargy, confusion, dizziness, for example. So what does that mean? Can rosemary be used for epilepsy? No. There are specific chemotypes that are contraindicated for epilepsy and seizures. So that means if you have epilepsy or you get seizures for other reasons, you should avoid rosemary verbenone chemotype, which is high in camphor, and isopenocamphone, which also causes seizures. And you should also avoid rosemary alpha-pinene chemotype, as well as the camphor chemotype, because these are all high in camphor. Here's the, the other thing. All chemotypes, rosemary chemotypes, have some level of camphor in them. Beta-mercine might have the least amount, but it still has some camphor. It's just differing levels. And as well, camphor is regularly added to rosemary because it naturally has it in it. Again, it's like that eucalyptus problem where we're adding it to make it smell more like it's supposed to smell. Also, chemotypes are often not labeled. So most of the time, people don't know which type they're using. They don't know the chemistry of the oil. They maybe don't have access to the GCMS, the tests that show you the levels. And so you really have no way of knowing what's in the rosemary. 
So for these reasons, rosemary is generally contraindicated for epilepsy and other seizure disorders. If you have these conditions, please don't use rosemary. I'm quickly interrupting this episode to tell you about one of my favorite essential oil brands, Mountain Rose Herbs, organic and non-GMO fair trade essential oils and herbs. So right now with the spring coming up, I start to see a lot of complaints in the lungs, the sinuses. There's usually a couple things they want to do, which is to support easy breathing and clear sinuses and support the immune system. Mountain Rose Herbs Breathe Synergy is a great tool here. So we can use it with a carrier oil, apply it to the chest, or we can use an inhaler with this blend too. I also like to combine a respiratory oil with a classic true lavender to support the immune system. Since these complaints often stay around for several weeks, it's better to be gentle and use a low dilution, which means a low amount of essential oil and more carrier oil. Mountain Rose Herbs is a brand I have personally vetted. These are clinical level oils with results. So if you wonder what to use, I recommend Mountain Rose Herbs. And right now you can get 10% off essential oils at mountainroseherbs.com with code AROMAPOD10. And now back to our episode. So if we go back to the other suggestions, in terms of memory and cognition, rosemary does help in these areas. And this is probably one of the ways rosemary oil is most known for. Studies show that students who inhaled rosemary had improved performance on an exam. Another study showed inhaling it helps with speed of memory, working memory, which might be helpful in aging. So when we bring this up, it always comes up, okay, well, what about neurological diseases like Alzheimer's that cause memory loss, for example? And people suggest that we should use that here. So let's talk about this a little bit. These diseases are very complex and the reasons why they happen are complex. We don't even really fully understand all of why Alzheimer's develops. But generally, proteins build up in the brain, free radicals build up, which causes oxidative stress and that damages your brain cells. And you get these different types of plaques that happen in the brain. So some of the, the, the theories around this is that activating certain pathways can make antioxidant enzymes that might help. So when we look at rosemary, there are some components of rosemary that are able to activate these pathways. Generally, these are found in the rosemary extract, though, not the essential oil. The other thing we talk about with Alzheimer's disease is acetylcholine. So acetylcholine is an important neurotransmitter for brain health. And the theory is that people with Alzheimer's disease have less acetylcholine synthesis. So this chemical is broken down in the brain by an enzyme called acetylcholinesterase. And it does this so that that chemical can be used in the brain. But in Alzheimer's disease, this process doesn't work right. One treatment theory is that if we block the acetylcholinesterase, that enzyme, that limits the breakdown of acetylcholine. Doing this increases the concentration of that neurochemical in the brain, which then can help increase the function of brain cells. So rosemary, specifically carnosic acid and ursolic acid, have been shown to block this acetylcholinesterase activity combined with the potential antioxidant activity through its flavonoid content, and specifically like rosmarinic acid, rosemary might actually be helpful in this situation. It might actually be helpful for the brain. Those compounds, however, again, are found in extract, not the essential oil. However, the 1,8-cineol in rosemary can help improve memory and performance, so the oil might work in this way. In Alzheimer's patients who inhaled rosemary oil, 
had better cognitive function. Okay, so what does all that mean? Does it mean rosemary extract or oil is going to cure Alzheimer's or is a treatment for Alzheimer's? No, it might help with symptoms, but we don't know very much about it. We don't know very much about Alzheimer's. So we really need more research to understand how this is going to work. And we certainly need more research in humans. It does have potential and promise, but that doesn't mean it's a treatment as of yet. Inhaling rosemary can help lower cortisol also. So this can be helpful, you know, for people who have neurological disorders, but just generally for everybody who has stress. That can help lower your stress, help lower anxiety, and help with your mood. Rosemary is also antibacterial and antimicrobial. So this gives it some great skin activity. You're going to, you can use it for acne, for other skin microbial infections, lots of different things and ways to use this oil. Rosemary can help with hair growth as well. As usual, there's lots of different things that essential oils can do. Okay, so what are the safety considerations? Rosemary is contraindicated for epilepsy, as we said. Additionally, the 1-8-sineal chemotype should not be used on or near the face of children under six. If you need to use this for a cough or cold and you don't have any other different options that can work, make sure to apply it to the lungs on the back instead of on the chest where it's right near the face. Also, if you're diffusing it, make sure to keep it away from children's faces. Rosemary might be irritating to the skin, so make sure to dilute it appropriately. A general dilution from 2% to 5% is a good range. However, if you have an acute situation, you might need more than that. But in those cases, you should work with someone to determine the best dilution rate for you. Some experts say that you shouldn't use rosemary for hypertension or high blood pressure. There is no evidence to support this. So this is false information. Adulteration and chemical alteration of rosemary oil is very common. And this practice can increase the risk of adverse events. So especially if it's not labeled as such, it doesn't tell you that there's more of one constituent, that can be potentially quite dangerous. And those are also very deceptive marketing practices. So that's something we wanna watch out for. Unfortunately, very common. So make sure to buy essential oils that actually come from plants, from integral producers and companies. That's really gonna help make sure you're using the right kind of product. Overall, rosemary is a beautifully essential oil and extract with many purposes, and I think it's a great basic oil to add to your collection. One of the greatest uses is going to be its antioxidant potential, especially as an herb, but also for lung health and pain and reduction in muscle and joint health. All right, beautiful people, thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.